0: hey everybody and welcome to do discourse where we have conversations that need to happen i'm your host ronald taylor
1: and i'm chris long
0: welcome to part two of what we believe. So, episode three, part two of episode two, and uh, we're gonna kind of go through and hit the ground running with some, you know, some terms of uh, of really big importance for us as Christians, like uh, propitiation, justification, uh, sanctification, and glorification. Where you know, some of you may be un- like unfamiliar with these terms, but they really do hold a lot of weight. Um, you know, just the definitions behind these things that. Um, really hold fast to the only way to salvation being through Jesus. All right, so Chris, uh, can you tell us what propitiation is? What, is? what does that word mean?
1: Yeah, so I did want to say real quick that all of these sound like big, fancy, intimidating words, but they're just simple ways for us to pack really big, broad concepts. So don't mm-hmm. be intimidated by the following terms. Yeah. With yeah, that... Propitiation just simply means the satisfying of God's wrath through Jesus' death on the cross and being reconciled to God. So more so than just our sin being paid for, us also being made right with him in the same way that a father would discipline a child, if you kind of think about that dynamic, that relationship.
0: Yeah, and you know, something being something being owed to God, right? Like God, God's wrath wasn't just out of nowhere. It was like, there was a consequence Mm. that had to be paid, right? There was that curse of sin. And so, you know, Jesus doing that uh, allowed us to be reconciled to God through the propitiation of sin. Right. Mm. Um, And then justification, what's that?
1: So justification is the process in which sinners are made or declared righteous in the sight of God. If you think about it, it's kind of like law and order in that we are made right before the judge. We are declared not guilty because someone has taken our place. Our yeah, price yeah, like, has been paid for. Right. Yeah, you, we see that
0: root word right justified. Right. Mm-hmm. Justice. Just. Um, and so we see that things are are made right. Things are are being made just. Um, and then sanctification. What's that?
1: Yep, so sanctification is a little bit different than the rest of these words because it's not an instant, it's not a moment. Sanctification is a lifelong process, and it means being made more like Jesus from one degree of glory to the next. So when we just say one degree of glory to the next, what we mean is from the time that you become a believer to the time that you are once again reconciled with Christ, that entire process from point A to point B is sanctification.
0: Yeah. And that's such a huge thing for us as believers, because, you know, every other faith that exists is works based, right? They mm-hmm. all like they're all working to attain to something. But for us, you know, we're we're justified through Christ's death on the cross, right? Through his propitiation of sin, through his grace by our faith. And so we are immediately justified at salvation, right? Christ has paid mm-hmm. that penalty on the cross. There's nothing there's no us working toward Nirvana or working towards salvation or working toward heaven or a specific level of heaven. You know, sanctification is just us continually being made more like Jesus by the time that we spend with him and we spend in his word and in prayer, um, and in fellowship with his church, right? We're just slowly, you know, morphing into looking more and more like Jesus until we come into glory. And that leads us to our, our last, you know, term there, which is glorification. You want to give us that definition,
1: Chris? Yeah, so glorification is the completed work of reconciliation. It's the moment when the Christian is made perfect and a whole and whole in a new body after Jesus's return.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, us right now, we are in imperfect bodies. Lord knows I'm in an imperfect body. <laughs> Me and you both are in imperfect bodies. <laughs> And so, you know, a lot of that is, is just contributed by sin. You know, the curse of sin, um, your boy is a big boy. I got to wear glasses, you know, like we have health stuff that goes on. Um, we have sickness, we have disease, you know, we, we have things that happen because of the curse of sin. Mm-hmm. And we know that, you know, Christ, as he died and rose again, he rose in a glorified body. He ascended in a glorified body sitting on the right hand of Jesus or sitting at the right hand of God. Sorry. Um, And as he's in heaven, he's in human flesh, right? He's still in the flesh sitting beside the father. And we'll join him in that when he comes back for us, right? There'll be a a bodily resurrection of the dead uh, when Jesus returns for his church. And so in that we'll come into a glorified body, you know, whatever that looks like in perfection. Um and also in glory, just like in knowledge of of who we are, you know, through Christ, um, in heaven, you know, lacking in nothing, it'll be what what the human was to look like from the beginning, right? And that being reconciled in that, um, that looking perfect with the Lord. Now, uh, we also wanted to talk talk about, you know, we know that the the Bible is split into two. Parts right. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, we look at God's old covenant to Israel and His new co- and uh, His new covenant through Jesus to Israel, which mm-hmm. is also uh, the Gentile Church. Right. We see that the gospel is attainable even to Gentiles and not only the Jews. Um, and so, in that, though, I think one thing that I've, I've heard and, and have had conversations with people is they would say, "Well, if we have the New Covenant, if we have the New Testament." Why is the Old Testament, you know, still there? Why do we still have the Old Testament? What are your thoughts, Chris?
1: Uh, Yeah, so the Old Covenant is basically pointing to Christ. You know, we see all of these things, all these prophecies that point to a coming Messiah. And we know that Christ is that Messiah. So with the Old Covenant, it's evidence for it. And it points to Jesus.
0: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these church fathers that we see, like, you know, people like Abraham, uh, Moses, David, like these, all these men are types of Christ. It means they, they show Mm -hmm. a pattern of the coming Messiah and where they play a part in the salvation of Israel through God. But they all point to Jesus, who is the ultimate prophet, who's the ultimate priest and king. Right. Whereas all these other men were just men and, and Jesus is God and man. Um, We see in Hebrews eight, six, it says, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better. Right. And him being a mediator is just him being that, that middleman, right. Him being that person between man and God, since it is enacted on better promises. Hebrews ten, fifteen through eighteen, it says, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering of sin. He's talking about that salvation that we get through Jesus, right? He's talking about that accessibility that we have now, because Jesus died on the cross, he paid Uh, He paid that debt to appease the wrath of God. That's that propitiation Mm. there. And this is so big because I think so often, you know, people that are upset with Christians or, you know, angry with Christianity and saying, you know, how could God allow these things to happen or do these things in the Old Testament? We have to realize that God was participating and God was working in a sinful world. Right. Mm -hmm. Like wars happen. Murders happen. Like the things that these men did were fallen because they were born in the curse of sin. God was still working in a cursed world, in a fallen world. But that doesn't mean that God was broken and God was cursed and God was fallen. He was working in the parameters that we brought on ourselves right in the garden. And so even in looking at things in the Old Testament and how people would say, oh, yeah, but you can't do this and you can do this and look at all these different laws that people aren't obeying now. Well, these this Levitical law stuff, you know, a lot of these things we're no longer bound by, like you know, not wearing multi you know multi fibered shirts. Um, you know, you can't wear a polyester or cotton shirt, or you can't do literally anything on the Sabbath, or so on and so forth. Right? There's some really really you know uh, stickler laws there that people go, yeah, why would you abide by that? Like, why would you do that? Why don't you guys abide by that? Well, it's because we're not bound by the old covenant anymore, right? We're bound by the new covenant Mm -hmm. through Jesus where he's forgiven us of our sin. Now, uh, in the midst of all of those things, you know, that coming from part one and kind of leading into the beginning of part two here, you know, that is our, our overarching perspective on our faith, right. Of Christianity, what, what scripture says, uh, we're to obey and what commands we're to obey. Now, we also wanted to talk about, you know, where we lie on, you know, kind of second and third tertiary items. Like we have a our first here are things that are non-negotiables, right? Those are those, those four things we talked about earlier, like, you know, the Trinity existing, God being the only God, Jesus being um, our salvation, being God, uh, being born of a virgin, living a perfect life, uh, dying and resurrecting, uh, you know, rising from the grave. And coming back for his people, you know, and all the things in between, and that scripture in of itself is one hundred percent without error. Those are all non-negotiables. Like if you don't believe any of those things, you are not a Christian. You can't be a Christian. There, there's no mm-hmm. way. Now, there's a there's another list um, of things that would kind of be negotiable, um, where scripture's not one hundred percent clear. You know, there, it's not explicit. I think scripture is clear about it, but it's not explicit. And so people, people tend to interpret things in different ways, especially because as Christians, we have certain liberties, right? We have freedom in Christ, um, but we don't want to abuse our freedom in Christ. We want to use that to still be mm-hmm. good witnesses. Um, the freedom that we have in Christ is to not allow us to do everything, right? Uh, Paul poses the questions in one of his epistles. He says, should we go on sinning so that grace may abound? He says, by no means, right? Absolutely not. We shouldn't do that because if we're dead to sin, how can we live in sin? So right. that's not the point. The reason we have forgiveness, the reason we have grace right through faith is so that we can serve freely. If we're not bound by that weight of sin, if we're not bound by the heaviness of trying to be perfect, if we're just focusing on ourselves, right? If we're not bound by that, we can focus on others because we know that our debt has been paid. If my debt's mm-hmm. been paid, I'm gonna go and help other people because I, I ain't got a debt I got to worry about, right? Mm-hmm. But people that don't have the word, people that haven't heard of the saving grace in Christ, they have a debt that still needs to be paid, right? And there's somebody that's paid that debt, but they can't attain that until they submit to Him and everything. So one of these negotiables that we that we kind of run into is, you know, man, the church itself, like the building, right? Um, what the church looks like, you know, how old the church is, um, man, I live in a community where there are some churches that exist that were built, you know, a hundred years ago, hundred plus years ago. And there are people that say, oh man, you know, I, I cannot, I cannot sit in a room that's not the sanctuary and listen to a sermon because God's not in that other building, right? There's a church down the street that built a multi-purpose room, like a big, really nice multi-purpose room to house more of their people. And they were starting to have church services in there and people left the church because they said that God wasn't in that other room, even though it was in the church, right? It's the church. It's It's connected to the church. And they were like, they left the church because they stopped meeting in the original sanctuary. Now, why does that not make sense, Chris?
1: Um. Because the gospel has to exist worldwide and hundred year old churches aren't in Pakistan and China. (laughs) I mean, simply put, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was going to say simply put the church is the people, not the building. And for that reason, the location really shouldn't matter as long as, you know, it's not something overly hazardous or, somewhere that would be scandalous to meet, you know, something like that. The type of building, the meeting place where you worship and learn more about God. It's funny that people care about it as much as they do, honestly. And like even the secondary stuff within what is the building like, you know, changing carpets, going from pews to chairs, stuff like that. Little things about the building itself almost become idolatrous, I would say. Oh yeah. It's,
0: it's steeped in traditionalism, right? Mm-hmm. People get so stuck in the traditionalism of, you know, well, what did our forefathers do? And going from that, it's like, who cares? <laughs> right? right. It's not about what our forefathers thought. They did what they, they did what was normal to them because that was their way of life. But their way of life is not your way of life now.
1: Right. Yeah. Great. It's like people Papa keep. Paul. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Great Papa Paul thought that the sanctuary needed red carpets, but he also thought that he needed to own three slaves. So, like, Great Papa Paul's <laughs> opinion isn't really that accurate. Great Papa Paul's a racist. <laughs> Great Papa Paul probably has a dog that was in the garden.
0: <laughs> no, because there was per- the garden was perfection. <laughs>
1: No apple softs no. for
0: Ball, <laughs> dude and it's it's so wild though like that stuff it just blows my mind like man, I you know I remember being in in youth group and you know we would wear I wore a hat all the time, dude like I wore a hat everywhere growing up mm-hmm. and i I remember like there were some adults that wore hats. there were some kids that wore hats. I mean, you know it just we wore a hat everywhere. And even now, you know, like if I wear a hat on a Wednesday night or something like that, because I'm in the church building, it's like this huge sacrilegious, like offense against the Holy Spirit and God, because somebody's wearing a hat in church. And it's like, dude, you know, first off I get, I get the cultural aspect of it, you know, where people go, oh yeah, you know, don't wear a hat at the dinner table or don't wear a hat when you pray or, you know, so on and so forth. But it's like, man, the, the the way people get up in arms about this stuff is Mm -hmm. bonkers. Like it is nonsense. Like, especially if it's somebody that doesn't go to church often, or maybe it's their first time stepping into a church, man, chances are you're going to push them away from hearing the gospel because you were so up in arms about them wearing a specific
1: thing to church.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's like, go ahead.
1: No, you're good. I was just going to add in, um, kind of what you were saying about how, you know, you don't know where someone's coming from. So mm-hmm. you having that kind of attitude towards it is more likely to push them away from not only your church, but from the gospel itself rather than draw them closer.
0: Yeah. And it's like, you know, people talk, people are so fixated on, you know, especially going back to the the church, you know, the church situation and God not being present, you know, in another room other than the sanctuary. And, you know, all, all of that obviously stems from a heart, you know, a heart issue, but mm-hmm. it goes to pose the question is like, man, what does their spiritual life look like? You right. know, if, if they only feel that God is existent in the sanctuary, is that because the only time that they're with God is in the sanctuary? Ooh. You know, are they, are they studying? <laughs> are they studying preach. at home? <laughs> <laughs> like like, are they studying? Are they spending time in his word? Are they praying? And it's like, you know, how many people leave their Bible in a church pew on Sunday? And the next time they see it, it is because it just becomes a seat placeholder,
1: you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Wow. And it's like, dude, we, we don't, we're not focusing on the Lord. We're focusing on, you know, trying to pull the speck out of our brother's eye instead of pulling the log out of our own. Right. I think Mm -hmm. we're, and that's just human nature. That's stuff that we deal with internally. It's like, man, I'm. I, we get so fixated on trying to point out sin in other people's lives to make us feel better about our sin and that we can't do that. Like it's, it's our nature, but we have to fight against our nature. Right. And that's that part of sanctification that we're talking about. Like, even though we're justified in Christ at salvation, we have to continually be looking at the example, right. That Jesus posed on earth so that we may become more like him in the Lord. Because man, you know. If if I can sit like at my desk or at my kitchen table and open up the Bible, right, be in prayer, do my quiet time, spend time in the Word and be present with the Lord, like what difference does that make on what I'm wearing or what building I'm in, as long as his people are gathering corporately, right? Jesus mm-hmm. met in the houses of people, right? He met in people's houses, not in the temple every single time like they were they were doing church they were doing the first like house church right <laughs> they yeah. were doing discipleship group they were meeting and he was preaching in other places outside of the temple and it's like if god is doing that why shouldn't we and then one other thing that um you know one thing that really bugs me is when people harp on about presentation Right. When they talk Mm -hmm. about well, you have to wear a suit to church. Right. You have to do this. You have to do that Um, because we want to present ourselves like we want to look the best before God. Right. And it's like, dude, you know, we we really have to pay attention to the point where when God says he looks inwardly and not outwardly, that not only goes for our souls. Right. And our relationship with him, but that goes for church. Right. Mm-hmm. God would rather see somebody with a clean soul in relationship with him than a filthy soul that's dressed in a suit. Yeah. hundred percent. And so when we look at, okay, well, we want to present ourselves nice to him. Like that, that didn't not come from nowhere, right? That came from somewhere. <laughs> that's, that's old Testament verbiage of the priest having to be cleansed and wearing the, the right clothing to present himself into the holy of holies, right? To present himself before the Lord. But that does not, that doesn't, that doesn't attribute to us now. You know, that that's got nothing to do with us now. And granted, yeah, we should present ourselves well. We shouldn't, if we have the means to, we should wear nice clothes to church because I mean, we're, we're going somewhere important, right? Like if we want to go to a nice dinner, we should, you know, dress accordingly. It doesn't have to be a suit, but we shouldn't be wearing tattered clothes. Right. But if we do have tattered clothes and that's all we have, it doesn't matter. Right. Those, Mm -hmm. those aren't rules. That's, that's more of a preference thing because God looks at our inward selves and not our outward selves that that old Testament thing doesn't matter to us anymore. Like did Jesus wear the best clothes that he had? Like, or did he wear the best clothes period when he preached to people? No, like he was wearing a tunic and sandals and was dusty and dirty because they were nomadic, right? They traveled everywhere. So if God, if God, the son, right, can preach to people and his disciples can preach to people. If Paul can preach through letters in a prison cell shackled to a Roman guard in a dungeon, like sure enough, we can sit and wear blue jeans and a polo, right? Or even a t-shirt like at church. Like Mm -hmm. God does not care. There are bigger things in our lives and bigger hills for us to die on in the sake and name of the gospel than what people wear, what the temperature is in the room, what the color carpet looks like, whether you're in the sanctuary in a multipurpose room. And golly, like I just (laughs) makes Mm -hmm. me so angry how superficial people can be.
1: Yeah, especially like when you're in a situation where that is all someone has. Or, you know, their intent is there. They're there to learn about Christ. They're there to worship. And that gets torn to shreds because they have on a Salt Life t-shirt rather than, mm-hmm. you know, a button down shirt. Yeah, Like it, it just it boggles my mind.
0: Yeah, dude, I, I go to a predominantly white church. And I think the big thing in that is just because, man, it's it's in the SBC and way back in the day, you know, the SBC was fairly racist, right? There is just mm-hmm. a predominantly white, uh, convention. And so because this church is so old, I think these families have continued to go to this church and though we don't have any, you know, we don't have any issues in leadership or anything with racism now, I think, but it's the same families that go right. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of these, these I think a lot of these churches still have these subcultures and demographic subcultures that go to these churches because it's just they were they were instituted in a time where segregation was still a thing, and now these family lines continue to go to these churches, and they're still you know they're still integration like the, we've we've had a couple of, of black families join our church um, that has since you know ended up moving away or like you know one of our guys ended up joining the military. And so, but it's still predominantly white just because of the area that we live in, right. And the demographic mm-hmm. that we serve. So we, you know, we, we serve at a predominantly white church, but we still have, you know, a few trailer parks in our area. It's, I mean, we live in a really rural area. And so a lot of the times uh, we have a, a, a convenience store and a family dollar, like right at the corner of our street. And so uh, most of the time, whenever I'm driving up, of the time there's somebody walking with groceries, you know, either to the store or walking back from the store. And if I'm coming home, you know, I'll swing by, I'll give them a ride because they're usually just going, you know, a mile up the road um, to one of these trailer parks up here. And so most of the time I can get in and, you know, somebody will hop in the truck, give them a ride to their house. I can have some, a little bit of conversation with them and then invite them to church. Right. Um, I don't condone picking up hitchhikers. But I have defensive safety measures on my person to where if something Stay does go straight. bad, I have a chance of, you know, neutralizing the threat. Um. But one guy I picked up last year and he was a really, really nice guy, really cool guy. Like we got to have some conversation and I invited him to church. And sure enough, that next Sunday he came to church, like he came in and slipped in the back and He like was wearing like bedazzled cowboy boots and blue jeans and like a really, really colorful button up shirt and like a, a rhinestone cowboy hat. (laughs) Like it was awesome. Like (laughs) Like it was so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, the first thing in my head wasn't what the heck is he wearing? Right. That wasn't the first thing in my head. The first thing in my head was, Holy crap. He showed up. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this is awesome. That like praise God that he showed up and that's, that's like, that's something of the Lord, right? That's something that the Lord, the Lord gives us, because I think any other person would go, what the heck is this guy wearing? You know, who the heck is this guy? I've never seen him before in my life. And it's like, no, like our first inclination, like Jesus's first inclination would be, man, it's so good to see you here. Mm -hmm. Right. And. I think he's come a couple of times since then, like he'll he'll come in like after service has already started and then he'll leave like during the worship set. And so I'm never able to catch him like before or after service to have a conversation with him. Um, but it's been so good to actually see him, you know, show up every once in a while. And, and hopefully, you know, the Lord is doing something in his heart um, to where, you know, there's times where he thinks about coming to church. And I pray that we'll see him more often in the future. But if we come at him, like if somebody comes at him, like, what are you wearing? Like, who are you? Why are you here? Like, you don't belong here. Like, that's not going to win people to Jesus. And Mm -hmm. there are people that are so comfortable in doing that, but boasting the name of Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that, that is crazy to me. Like, it's so crazy to me that people can walk in confidence and be like, Jesus would be satisfied. They think Jesus would be satisfied that they're saying these things and they're being hateful. Right. And they're being rude and they think it's because like, oh, well, we're calling them out. You know, we're holding them accountable. No, you're not. You're that's bull crap. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're doing the exact opposite. You know, you need to hold yourself accountable. And it's just, yeah, it's wild. I could I could ramble on forever about that, but we'll move on. Um, so one of the biggest things, um, as well as you know, just clothing, I think there's there's a big issue within the Christian church about modesty, right? Like, um, and we will do a separate episode uh, about this later on, but, you know, when we're looking at clothing for Christians, like what's appropriate for Christians, uh, what's appropriate for Christian men to wear, what's appropriate for Christian females to wear. Um, and I think at the end of the day, without divulging too much into a later episode is just that I mean, we need to do what's most honoring to the Lord and what's most honoring to our opposite sex counterparts, right? There are only two genders, two genders, man, woman, XX, XY X, chromosome, right? Like that's it, plain and simple. We'll do another, ep- we'll do an episode on that too. You know, why not? Mm-hmm. YOLO. But that's so important and we need to be, okay, our questions need to be what's glorifying to the Lord? What's, what's going to be beneficial and guarding to my brother or my sister, right? Because at the end of the day, it's what we are. Like as Christians, Everybody that is around us or our brother or sister. We need to treat them as such. So if I wouldn't wear a specific thing around my little brother or my little sister, then you probably shouldn't be wearing it.
1: Right. So Ron, um, you're if, saying that I 17 year old female, when I go to the beach with my friends, can't post an Instagram picture afterwards.
0: You can, if you're not naked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> as long as you're not promo and something. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, as long as you're not only fans in it on the beach, you know, <laughs> <coughs> like, golly, some people out here just wearing underwear, like, okay, yeah, just hear me out for a second.
1: I, it's just, I the, could there, see this email,
0: so I wanted to go ahead and address it. There, there are females, right, that would not walk around in their underwear, right, like panties, bra, in front of the opposite sex. Like they would literally walk around uncomfortable. They'd cover up. Granted, there are some females that don't care, but I'm saying for the most part, you know, they would not want to, they would not want to have people see them in their underwear yet. They'll go and wear a bikini that sometimes is more revealing than the underwear they wear and are completely fine. Like that is mind boggling to me. Like that just goes to show. It's just like, it's a, it's a mental thing, right? It's like, You're just, you're not making sense. Like every, these things are not joining together, right? Two and two is not making four right now. (laughs) And so we'll, we'll talk about that some more, but we definitely at at the end of the day on that, if we want to, we want to guard our brothers, we want to guard our sisters because believe it or not, like women lust too, right? We want to guard the opposite sex. And you know what? You may say, well, all men are trash. Like they just need to guard their eyes. But you're right. Men, sh- men should guard their eyes. I'm not disqualifying that, right? Um, scripture says if, you're, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Like if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, right? Like that that is true. But it's also like we should also be guarding our brothers and sisters. Like if you've got... A Christian brother that is really struggling with pornography or struggling with lust or struggling with impure thoughts. Like, why would we want to encourage that? It's like if you have an alcoholic and you, like, if you have an alcoholic friend or you have an alcoholic parent or brother, like, it would be a no brainer to say, Hey, we shouldn't keep alcohol in the house because, you know, they're going to want to get this drink. They're going to want to drink this alcohol. Like, I don't want to set them up for failure. Well, we don't want to set an alcoholic or an addict up for failure. But, when it comes to like not wearing any clothes, it's like, my body my choice, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, but it's not, like it's God's body, right? Like God has ownership of your body as a believer, so it shouldn't matter about what you want. We should be serving other people,
1: yeah, I think but before that... i get in, before I get into another episode, <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna touch on that real quick. I think that the culture is going to strongly disagree with you there and have some major issues mm-hmm. with what you just said. But again, you're speaking yeah. from the heart of if you are a believer, that's the big aspect yeah. there.
0: Yeah. And, and we'll definitely, you know, we will hit, we'll hit really in depth uh, on that topic um, at a later date. And I think, you know, that'd be something that's interesting and we will definitely come at it from both viewpoints too. one of the things that we want to do uh, when we have specific, you know, uh, topic episodes is looking at things from both both viewpoints and seeing why we agree with one over the other. Mm. So the other thing that we look at is like uh, alcohol use, tobacco use, uh, language, right? These will be other topics that we hit on. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, we have, we have a freedom in Christ, but we have to not allow that to, to bring us to sin, right? And so we, we're to be sober minded in all things. And the Bible is very explicit about drunkenness, right? But man, they consumed wine, they consumed, um, you know, alcohol. And there there are times where it alludes to strong drink being beneficial, strong drink, strong drink being okay. But not drunkenness. And so we we talk about these things in moderation. So when it comes to alcohol, when it comes to tobacco, like uh, chewing tobacco or smoking tobacco, like pipe tobacco, cigars, um, cigarettes are a little bit different. Uh, even chewing tobacco, I mean, both of those things can become addictive and can become a crutch to where we will want to avoid those things. But, you know, if you are just, you know, socializing, socially consuming these things or have a hobby in consuming these things, like I have a bunch of friends and even myself, like I like to smoke a pipe tobacco. Um, I like to smoke pipe tobacco. And, you know, with that, it's not something like I don't, I can't remember the last time I smoked a pipe. It's probably been months at least because it's not something that I have a crutch. And, you know, it's not something I'm addicted to. Um, I don't have an issue with alcohol personally. Like I'll socially drink every once in a while, but I live in a parsonage, right? I live on church grounds. And a part of that constitution is that you can't have alcohol in the church property. And because I'm not addicted to alcohol, like I I don't need it, right? I don't need to drink all the time. And so it doesn't bother me. It's like, yeah, I'll respect that. You know, I don't, I don't care. There are people in our community and people in our church that hold a different viewpoint. Right. Because whether or not we can consume alcohol, it's not a non-negotiable, right? It's something that people just have their interpretation of scripture and that's between them and the Lord. And as long as we're not sinning against the Lord, like as long as we're not acting in drunkenness, you know, I think we can all live and agree to disagree. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then language, man, I'm I'm like I'm back and forth. With language, because I see both parts of it, um, and again, we'll have a more in-depth episode on this topic. But I think curse words are words, right? They're words, like they they hold just as much weight as other words. And I think the most time, the most times that you see cuss words, is when people are angry or upset, right? And during that time, I think a cuss word holds the same weight as if we were using regular words to insult people, right. Or to try Mm -hmm. to harm people or to dig at them. And so I don't, I don't have anything against curse words in and of themselves. I don't like to use them often because I feel like it's just a lack of a vocabulary. Right. So sometimes it'll slip out. Like if I stub my toe, you know what, sometimes the, the S words gonna come out. (laughs) Right. Like sometimes, (laughs) like sometimes it, it just, it happens or, you know, it's just, it'll blurt out. Okay. Yeah. I'm human. Right. There was a it's BC Ronald. Yeah. There was a BC Ronald and he had language. Right. <laughs> um, but in that, it's like the, the reality of people can hyper fixate on cuss words, but then still spew hatred. Right. Mm-hmm. And spew toxic words and how, ha- and treat people horribly. And it's like, we're, we're not, we're not looking at the right thing here. We're, we're that's legalism. Right. That's these are things that you're trying to hyper fixate on one specific thing and ignoring the issues of the heart. And we'll we'll have more conversation on that. All, all that to say, we need to have our speech be edifying. Right. We need to encourage others. We need to love others. We need to have seasoned speech. You know, it needs to be seasoned with salt. It needs to taste good. It needs to be flavored. Um, and so we'll, we'll leave that at that. So the next thing we wanted to talk about is our our sacraments. Right. Can so, I back sacraments. up for just a
1: second? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, you um, good. So I bad. had one thing I wanted to say about alcohol and tobacco and then one thing I wanted to say about language. So as far and as alcohol it. and tobacco, you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but the line is different for different people. So you kind of talked about mm-hmm. if you have an alcoholic in your house, not yep. to have alcohol in your house in mm-hmm. that same kind of way, you know, we need to be building up one another, not in a way that's Detrifying to our freedom, but also in a way that's not going to be detrimental to their sanctification as well. Yep. So I think that's important yeah, we, to touch on.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Like we we definitely need to be above reproach. I think in Christian circles mm-hmm. you hear the phrase being above reproach. And that means like being outside of a way where people could blame you for something, even if you're innocent in it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like for me as a Christian, like. I'm probably not going to go to the ABC store in town because if I see any one of our congregants in the ABC store, they're going to be like, boom, Ronald's an alcoholic, (laughs) right? Or if like, if I'm at a Chili's (laughs) and I'm sitting at a bar (laughs) and I'm just like, I feel God in this Chili's tonight. And one of the congregants walk in and they're like, oh, boom, Ronald's an alcoholic. It's like, no, I'm not like I could be having a drink. But because we live in a broken world, because we have fallen people that are around us, we have people that assume the worst in people, we have to be above reproach and and avoid these things, right? Like, as a pastor, I'm not going to be in a room alone with like a female student or even another female, right? Because obviously, I'm not going to have Lord willing, right. We're not above anything, but I'm not going to have like an affair or, you know, a type like a inappropriate relationship with any female other than my wife. I'm gonna have an appropriate relationship with my wife, Mm -hmm. but people see people of the sex in a room together. They're going boom, like they're doing something wrong, right. Mm -hmm. They're sinning. It's just like it, it's tainted people's view of seeing people like that because pastors have fallen, Right. There, there are pastors falling as we speak right now. They're, they're failing at their calling. They're falling into lust. They're falling in temptation. They're falling in sin. And I could never say that I would never, right? Because we're not above that. But mm-hmm. Lord willing, I would never and I will never. Like only by the grace of God, not through any of my means, but th- through what God has done through me. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be above approaching these things, even though we're like, yeah, I would never do that. Like, there's no way I would do that. That's stupid. Like. Yeah, but people fall all the time. And so in order for me to not even have that temptation like present itself is to be above approaching that.
1: Yeah, I was also going to say it's not just the pastors that suck that, you know, go through this deal with this. Oh, I yeah. Know yeah, yeah, yeah. Me personally, I held Ravi Zacharias in high regard. <laughs> and then mm. after he passed everything that came out afterwards, that's not a man you would have expected to have those kinds of things happen but it is, and it did. So,
0: yeah. And for, for those of you that are listening that don't know who Robbie Zacharias is, he was, I mean, this huge evangelist, he was a pastor. Um, he was an incredible author, like, I mean, seemingly incredible man of God, right. That wrote, uh, wrote and spoke just so much good content that drew people to the Lord. Right. Mm -hmm. But ended up, he had money in like massage parlors, like owned massage parlors, um, just really sexual sin, you know, really sexual stuff happening, sexual sin happening, and just was not being obedient to the Lord, right? was being kind of a crappy person, but that's also a testimony of how the Lord can work in spite of people, right? Mm -hmm. Like we saw how, man, David was a mighty King. David was a man after God's own heart, but in that same vein, he was a piece of garbage that lusted after Bathsheba and ended up getting her pregnant and then killing her husband on the front line of the battlefield, right? Because of his sin. And so, man, there are times where, man, Ravi Zacharias, I think, uh, knew the Lord. I think he wrote incredible things. I think he wrote incredible things that we we can attain to and use today that still are truth, right? But he was still kind of a garbage person. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have to realize we can't put men on pedestals. We can't put men in, in high standing because it's not the men we're worshiping. It's the Lord that they serve and the Lord that we serve and know that we're none of us are above falling. Um, and so we have to continually, you know, be on defense. We have to be fighting sin and killing sin before it kills us because it will, you know, we see that the enemy is like a, a crouching and prowling lion seeking to, to kill and destroy us. And we can't allow that to happen.
1: Yeah, and then the second thing that I wanted to touch on was about language specifically. So, mm-hmm. as some of our listeners may know, I recently graduated with a degree in English. So, I have studied linguistics, and one of the biggest aspects of linguistics Linguine. is that. <laughs> I study that too. Sorry. Hashtag big boy status. <laughs> Hashtag Olive Garden. <laughs> Uh, So, in linguistics, words don't have meaning until we attribute meaning to them. So, Mm -hmm. the the four letters F-U-C-K or S-H-I-T don't have a particular nuance to them until we use them a certain type of way. So, if I said that to Ronald, as opposed to calling him baldy, that has the same impact (laughs) because of the meaning behind the words. Mm Mm-hmm. So intent has a lot. My point is intent and then cultural relevance has a lot to do with how language is perceived.
0: Yeah. I mean, we see in the old Testament that if you call somebody baldy as a kid, you're just going to get eaten by a bear. So <laughs> <Two> <laughs> <bears that>.
1: specifically
0: <laughs> Yeah, two bears.
1: <laughs> Did you see there was a bear two on ECU's bears. campus yesterday? No, I didn't. There was a bear. That's he was crazy. just chilling. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna have to look that up. I did see that there were a couple bears like sawn in, in Chap like seen, sorry, in Chapel Hill. Sawn, um, yeah, dude. I corrected myself. Leave me alone. He says Gosh. sawn. Chris is such a bully, dude. What a baldy. <laughs> well, you can't talk. So <laughs> if we if we want to go back to uh, to episode two,
1: dude, the font was so re- tiny. And re listen to you not being able to read. (laughs) The thought was so (laughs) tiny. There was nothing I could do about it.
0: I was doing my best. (laughs) I'm going to set you an appointment with your eye doctor next week. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving on.
1: (laughs) Not to completely derail everything, (laughs) but...
0: So, we are... um, we're going to look at some of the sacraments that we have that we observe as Christians. Um, and basically a sacrament is Latin for use for a sacred purpose. Uh, so these are symbolic external gestures, right? They're visual gestures that reflect internal change and grace from the Lord uh, from and through Jesus. So, New City Catechism actually says the sacraments or ordinances given by God and instituted by Christ, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper, otherwise known as communion, are visible signs and seals that were bound together as a community of faith by his death and resurrection. By our use of them, the Holy Spirit more fully declares and seals the promise of the gospel to us. Right. And so baptism for us. Uh, we can see in Romans 6, 3 through 4, it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So basically, this is just a huge uh, visual representation for us as Baptists um, and Protestant Christians that when we do believers baptism, when we are submerged into water. It's an illustration of what's happening in Romans six right here, right? It's an illustration of we're standing in water and water is to, to illustrate the ground, right? So we're being buried into the ground. We're being buried into the water and then we're being raised again in new life, resurrecting from the ground, from the water, right? But in that same vein, being washed clean and purged of our sins. But this is symbolic, right? at salvation is when we were purged and washed clean, not the whole, like not the water, right? It's literally in our church, it's a hot tub full of water. <laughs> like there's <laughs> nothing holy about it. There's, you know, the, it didn't come out a special bottle. Like it literally is from our well, right? Because we live in the country. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing special about that water. It's all symbolic. It's like in the same way we have a ring, right? The ring does not make me married. It's the Lord that makes me married. But this ring is an outward symbol that I am married to my wife, right? I'm bound to my wife for forever or until we die. And then, uh, second, P- uh, sorry, acts two, uh, verse 38 says, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy spirit. Now, this is another, this is another thing that kind of supports our view of, uh, believers baptism, right? So, there are certain denominations that say, yeah, you need to be baptized, like you and your family needs to be baptized. And they actually would baptize their infants. Um, they would do a sprinkling, right? Some people would do a full submersion of your baby. And if you haven't seen videos of their, they're, they're hilarious. Like you need to go to YouTube and watch baby submersion baptism because literally they just go boom and splash the baby into the water and bring <laughs> it back up. Babies pissed.
1: Parents are surprised. Like, it's it's a whole thing. It's awesome. Dude, the funniest um, thing was during COVID when the churches that do sprinkling were just using water guns <laughs> to spray the babies. Yes. Like, what is happening? You got a super soaker, Pastor Tom? What's <laughs> oh, happening? Oh,
0: my gosh. Bazooka Joe over here squirting kids.
1: <laughs> He's just oh my loading gosh. that sucker up and blasting them.
0: <laughs> and it's like, you know, I think there are certain denominations that... Use that baptism as kind of like a dedication to say, hey, we're going to raise this child uh, in Mm -hmm. the faith Um, where, you know, we do baby dedications as well. But we don't do baptism in that because I think we can see in scripture here that baptism needs to come after our salvation and conversion. And so because it's to illustrate our dying to sin and raising back to life. And so that's why we proceed with the believers baptism instead of sprinkling infants, because it's like people that believe in that would take scripture and say, you know, like they and their whole household were saved uh, in in that moment. Well, I think that doesn't come from just baptism that comes from like the conversion, right. And then Mm -hmm. doing believers baptism after the conversion, because we would interpret that as this person got saved, went home, told their family about Jesus and their family was like, oh, heck yeah, we want that. And they convert get saved and then are baptized, right? Instead of just baptizing our entire family. So that in a nutshell is kind of what we, what we look at in baptism. We believe in credo baptism, right? We believe in baptism after salvation. Uh, Pado baptism is infant baptism, where some churches believe in that. One way or the other, uh, there's, it doesn't disqualify you from being a Christian, but I think we are being sinful and disobedient if we are, if we don't go into baptism as believers, because uh, we don't we're not following that that sacrament correctly, right? We're not we're not com- com- we're not completely obeying that that ordinance and, and the way the Lord has us to. Um, and then communion, you want to talk about communion for us?
1: Yeah. So First Corinthians eleven twenty three through twenty six says, "For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread." <clears throat> that is symbolic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, Communion, in essence, is a remembrance of Christ and his work on the cross. And we do it in honor and in reverence to Jesus for his work on the cross.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's like, you know, he talks about the, the bread being his body, right, symbolically, mm-hmm. and the, the wine, which wine, alcohol, just leaving that there, um, the <laughs> wine being his blood, right, is to, to show his work on the cross and us remembering his work on the cross. And he says, for often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, right? This is a time where exactly like Chris just said, right, we're able to remember the Lord um, and we should do that as often as, as we can. Now, this is where we have some nuance, right? Some people go, oh, well, then how often should we participate in communion? You know, how often should um, we do this? Because we don't want to overdo it, but we don't want to do it to less, right? So we there are churches that exist that say, hey, we're going to do communion every week or we're going to do communion once a month or once a quarter or once a year, right? Does that matter? No, not really, but that we should do it, right? Right. How often do you think we should do communion, Chris?
1: Um, I don't want to put like a certain like if you don't do it twice a year, you're not a real church. But I would say every one to two months minimum. I feel like it's so like good once time a quarter, frame. maybe. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. Sense. That's
0: what we do. I think really, I think that's like what a lot of a lot of SBC churches do. Every church that I've been a part of has done communion every quarter. Mm-hmm. I. I kind of fall in the line of I would do communion every week if I could. Mm. Right. And here's the reason why I say that, because it says for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Right. If I'm proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes every time I participate in communion, why should I not participate that as often as I can? Right. You know, and a lot of arguments that we see are, well, we don't want to overdo it. Right. We don't want it to lose its meaning. We don't want it to lose its worth. We don't want it to lose, you know, its, um, its impact. Well, I, I used to agree with that. Honestly, I did. But one of the things that made me not is what are our viewpoints of prayer? Right. How often should we pray? Hmm. How often should we fast? And. In the Bible, we we're, we see that we're, we're to pray without ceasing, right? We should always be in some form of prayer. We should pray to the Lord more often than not. And it's like, well, if we should pray without ceasing, right? If we should constantly be in prayer, if we should constantly be in communication with the Lord, shouldn't we do it less so that it doesn't lose its impact? Shouldn't we do it less so that it doesn't lose its meaning to us? No, we should do it as often as we can. And we should, one, we should hold ourselves accountable and we should, uh, you know, we should be upset with ourselves if it loses meaning, right. Mm-hmm. We should be, we should be reevaluating ourselves if it loses meaning and it loses impact and purpose. And so with that, it's like, man, like if we're meeting congregationally, like if we're meeting corporately, man, we should probably, you know, participate in communion corporately as often as we can, because in that, man, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. Mm-hmm. Um, And so it's like, if, if we think we're not going to lose, you know, significant meaning in other things, What's to say that we shouldn't participate in communion every week, but <clears throat> that that's also just semantics, right? Like, I'm not going to sit here and argue the fact that we do communion once a quarter because I I'm blessed and I'm encouraged when we do communion once a quarter. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's like I'm not going to leave a church because we're not doing communion every week. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Tertiary issue. Right. I've been here four weeks
1: and you've only done communion
0: once. I'm out of here. <laughs> I've been here for a month and we haven't a communion yet. <laughs> <laughs> and moving forward, we're going to talk about um like music, you know, kind of and connecting with that that building conversation that we had was you know, people get so fixated on like traditionalism and they get so fixated on uh where they're at and what they're doing specifically. They kind of lose focus on the, the purpose, right? And the purpose is us is for us to give glory to the Lord, right? So when we talk about music, and we look at song type, lyrical content and instruments, I think we can start to delve into some really dangerous territory and people going, oh, well, that has to be him only, it has to be contemporary only, like, it has to be this. And it's because I like it, right? Because mm-hmm. I think this is what's best. Well, it's not about what we think, first off, it's about what gives God glory and what you know what's going to communicate to your audience. And so what's what's so funny to me is you know we are going to we're going to an older church and we it was initially like a hymns only church, you know, obviously like a lot of other southern Baptist churches and they're like it's because it's the way it's always been. And without delving in too much because we're going to do this we're going to we're going to do a separate music podcast as well or a separate music episode. But without delving in too much, you know, what we believe is that we have to glorify and honor the Lord with our song, right? And we should communicate in ways that are theologically rich and about Jesus. And mm-hmm. I think one of the ways we can do that is we can we can entertain old songs, but we can also entertain new songs because we want to match the culture that we're living within, right? Like literally hymns that were written way back in the day that people go, Oh man, these are so perfect. Like these are the utmost in honoring the Lord. And it's brilliant. Like they were really like bar songs, right? <laughs> like these are things that, that were with the culture of the time, but now they're just like, they're so liturgical, right? They're so part of the church, even though at one point in time, they were new, right? Mm-hmm. At one point in time, people even said hymns were too rowdy for the church. And so even today we're running into the same thing because of the fallen nature of the church. But we have to realize like in the utmost, we want to give God glory in the types of songs that we sing. And we'll talk about, we'll talk that we'll talk about that some more uh, in our music episode. Did you want to add anything about music real quick uh, before we move on, Chris?
1: If I add anything, it's going to turn into another 45 minutes worth of content (laughs) because this is one of, this is one of the biggest points of contention within culture and within the church itself and i mm-hmm. certainly can't wait to do a whole episode about it because it deserves an episode to its own yeah
0: yeah it's gonna be awesome um and we're also so two more things uh that we're gonna kind of talk about what we believe in then we'll wrap things up i know it's been almost an hour um we are looking looking at bible translations we're gonna do an episode on pop on bible translations as well um i personally use the ESV. is that what you use as well Chris? Yeah, I uh, use and the, I, ESB, the church, but
1: the CSB too is okay. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. For, for reading purposes. Yeah, CSB is really good too. Um, we
0: use the NKJV at the church, which, um, at, in a nutshell, we believe in literal translations. We, we Wait, we want to read a literal translation of the original manuscripts in Greek and Hebrew. Um And the NKJV does that. The KJV does that. ESV does that. CSB does that. All those translations do. We want to try to stray away from other ones, um, not saying that they're wrong. Like, even the message is a good paraphrase of scripture. But when we look at the message, it's literally a paraphrase, right? It's, it's lacking mm-hmm. in a lot of things. It's, it's just giving main ideas and themes of scripture where that can be lacking in our study time. Right. But it's, it's good to read just in a, in an overarching type of setting. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll hone on to that later, but really we just want to make sure that we're as close to the literal as possible. I kind of, I stray away from the KJV because I don't speak KJV. Right. I'm not speaking in thousand and all the time. And the fact that that's in there doesn't make it any more holy than any other translation. It's just the way that the people spoke and when it was written. Right. Mm-hmm. So get off your horse. If you're KJV only, we'll, we'll deal with you later. Um. <laughs> and then free will versus security we believe that we have free will in in christ but we also believe that there's a security in our salvation um right hebrews 10 says therefore brothers since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh right the veil was torn and we since we have a great high priest over the house of god let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful Right. We we see constant things. I mean, um, continuing in verse 26, uh, it says, but if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So it's mm-hmm. like we believe in, in, in salvation and security in our salvation, but it's like through true conversion, right, through mm-hmm. true belief, like just saying I'm a Christian doesn't make me a Christian. And that's where we can kind of see where people t- quote unquote fall away from the faith. Like we have to be truly saved and confirmed by the spirit in order, you know, for us to, to kind of have that assurance and that salvation. Um, but uh, John one three nine, you know, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, but God's seed abides in him. He cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Um, by this, it is evident that who are the children of God uh, and who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Um, we, I mean, it, countless Romans 6, 1 through 4, Romans six fifteen through 18, it just, it goes on and on where we see security placed in scripture. And we'll, we'll look at that some more. Um, I think people, people delve into the idea that you can fall away from being saved and fall away from the faith because there are people that say they're Christians and then they end up not being Christians. But just mm-hmm. saying that we're Christians doesn't mean that you're a Christian. Right. That's that's just lip service. But we see that, man, if we if we're in the grasp of the Lord and we truly are saved, he will deliver us from that um, and and keep us from falling away. Because it's like God is capable of all things of God is capable of saving us. Who's going to take us out of his hand? Nobody. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. We can't do that. So that really uh, in of itself, you know, is um is where we're at. We'll, we'll talk about, we're going to do another episode, uh, kind of digging into that some more with, you know, Arminianism, Molinism, and Calvinism, uh, just different viewpoints of theology, like our knowledge of God and our study of God. Um, and, you know, what each of those things mean, uh, what types of people those are, and, you know, more of where we fall into those categories as well. Um, I think that's going to be a really cool uh, episode for for Chris to to have a, a Chris Long takeover, <laughs> uh, but they'll they'll be fun. So we really are excited for you guys to join us on this. Like we we really wanted to take a couple of parts and kind of hone in on things that we believe um, and where we stand. And then we, you know, we'll go forth and these aren't, this isn't, you know, an exhaustive list of things that we're going to talk about. You know, hopefully we'll go on years and years and, uh, and have some really, really cool episodes, have some really cool people on with us, uh, to see where they've been, what the Lord has done in their lives and to have conversations that need to happen. Right. Misconceptions that the world is bringing in offering and pulling people away. We hope and pray that this, this podcast be a way to bring people closer to him by asking hard questions and answering hard questions from
1: a basis and authority of scripture. You have anything else you want to add before we close up, Chris? No, I feel like we hit the nail on the head. Sorry. It's a little bit longer one for all the listeners out there, but that's not a bad thing by any means. Yeah. Yeah. Pause when
0: you need to go play when you can come back and listen. Uh, We're glad that you
1: guys made it to the end
0: of this episode. Um, and if you, and like what you heard, if you enjoyed it, uh, if you have any feedback or comments, uh, don't hesitate to email us at do discourse at gmail.com. Follow <laughs> us on all platforms. Um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and Chris laughed because we're still trying to reset the password on the do discourse Gmail,
1: but we'll, <laughs> we just realized we we'll, had a Gmail for do discourse. <laughs> Actually. That's what I'm laughing about. <laughs> we were like, wait, that, there's a <laughs> Gmail
0: you can tell we are, we're slowly growing at the podcasting gig. Um, but man, it'll be, it'll be cool for us to look back and hopefully for you guys to look back and to see how much we've grown, not only in podcasting, but, uh, in our faith and our relationship with the Lord. And hopefully as you guys go on this journey with us, uh, you guys grow as well and, uh, can continue to, to, you know, present a defense and apology for your faith. So, On that note, that's it for this week. And hopefully you guys will join us next time. I hope you guys have a great week.
1: Peace.